And what, what do they do? They distrust. They seek to take within their own control something that belongs to God. And I have to remind myself constantly, like, my child's life, my family, my life, like, they all belong to God. I cannot control what happens. You know, I have been, like, just a klutz. Everywhere I go, I feel like I'm, like, tripping on stuff. But I'm realizing, maybe it's not me. It's maybe it's, like, like I'm realizing a lot of the roads and sidewalks are, like, really poorly maintained. And so I've decided I'm going to start a website where you can report poorly maintained walkways and sidewalks. And I'm going to call it TripAdvisor. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 115. It is so good to be back with you. Uh, I've been away out of town for a while. Uh, the episodes have kept going, but I feel like it's been a little while since I've recorded, so it's so good to be back. Uh, before we get started, please make sure you've rated and reviewed this podcast. Uh, share this on social media or with someone who you think could benefit from it. It's the highest compliment you can pay us. And as always, please make sure you tag us on Instagram at Mana Food for Thought or on Twitter at ManaF4T. You can find all of those uh, social media links and all of our other content at our website, manafoodforthought.com. And if you've never visited our website, go and take a gander. There's a lot of great stuff on there. And I would encourage you while you're there, click on the Patreon tab where you can become a financial sponsor to this podcast for as little as $1 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. If you think that this podcast has benefited you or could benefit someone else in any way possible, it does cost money to keep going. We have to pay for the domain and the site hosting and equipment and all this other other stuff. Um, if you think it's a, a benefit, if it's benefited you, I would encourage you just sign up to be a patron and you'll get some perks. And so we really appreciate all of our patrons. But without further ado, welcome to episode 115. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy this week uh, has been a lot. There's been a lot of joy. I was at the Catholic Youth Ministry Convention that Life Teen puts on every year in Scottsdale, Arizona. It is where I had my conversion 16 years ago, which was just, it's amazing to think that. Um, <clears throat> and that I've been in ministry since I was 17. And um, I've now been in ministry for um, about 17 years. That first year, I was still kind of discovering and really kind of considering as a leader just, you know, what what faith was for me. Um, so I've been in ministry half my life, and I owe all of that to Life Teen. And so I got to go back to this conference, and I'm part of a team that kind of helps out with the event now. And I still get to enjoy it, though. So it was really just like a great retreat experience and Catholic family reunion. So it just brought an immense amount of joy to be back there and just all of the memories and all of the friendships and relationships and new opportunities and friendships and the ability to speak and lead worship for people. It's just really wonderful. So, um, yeah, all glory to God for that. And then I came back on Thursday and the next day, uh, was our pastor's retirement party for the entire parish. And so, I mean, hundreds of people showed up. There was just all of these, a really great program put on by the people, the committee at our parish, the that did this. And I got to bring my whole family and my kids got to enjoy it. And, you know, uh, our kids don't necessarily come to a lot of parish events, except we obviously come to mass and we stick around a little bit uh, on Sundays and have community, but not a lot of people who don't go to that mass or who are coming to other ministries get to see them very often. So it was just really great for them to kind of, you know, see and meet a lot of other people and, and things like that. And then the following Sunday, this past Sunday was Father's Day. And uh, we had a great, nice day. I barbecued, had some good ribeye steaks. And then uh, my wife and I had a little date night out and did an escape room. And uh, we crushed it, as we always do. So a lot of joy. 
a lot of joy. My junk is that maybe you can hear it a little bit in my voice. Um, I've had perpetual symptoms of some cold that I've, I've gotten over. I'm not sick and I feel great, but I just have this lingering dryness in my throat and sinus, you know, not pressure, but just like stuff up there that just like keeps coming out and it just won't stop. It's just, it's never ending, you know, um, diatribe or epic of uh, symptoms or like after effects, um, I should say rather. So yeah, it just kind of stinks, you know? So, um, there are a lot of other things that could be worse. I could still be sick, but, um, I feel like I was sick like three weeks ago and, um, yeah, feel great. Um, but it's just like lingering stuff. So if you could just pray for me in that regard, I'd appreciate it. And my Jesus moment, um, there's been a few, and I think they, they really relate well to this, uh, this podcast episode. And this is really going to be a little bit of repeat information of some stuff that, um, I shared a Bible study this past week, so if you were there, if you listened to our Bible study episode this week, you'll hear some repeat information, but I want to dive deeper um, into some some central ideas from that study, and they really have to do with the ways that I've just been encountering Jesus the past week or so. And first of all, like um, going to CYMC, um, the conference, I was originally going to fly out, and I have a lot of like flight anxiety, and um, I kind of was finding excuses not to fly. And then I ended up needing to bring a lot of stuff. I was going to go to the gym out there. I had to bring all my gym stuff. I needed to lead worship, so I had to bring my guitar. And I do not trust airports with my guitar. Um, I just had bad experience. So, it, and just the flexibility, if anything happened, you know, if, while I was away, it's just so much easier to get in my car and drive home. And I was at a distance to where, you know, if I had to go pack up and just drive straight home, it would take about the same amount of time to go pack up, find a flight, wait for the flight, get on the flight, fly home, get back home. It would have been the, about the exa exact amount of time. So, um, but a lot of it, I think, really had to do with this, like, you know, like I, I had this anxiety about flying. And then the theme of CYMC, this, and the whole theme of Life Teen and their ministry this year is always forward from uh, a quote from St. Junipero Serra, that like all of the difficulties that he experienced and just constantly trying to um, minister uh, throughout the missions in California and, you know, all the persecution he faced, all the difficulties, all of the, you know, everything that went with that. He just had this, um, you know, phrase, siempre adelanto, always forward. And then um, the last kind of Jesus moment that ties into all of this is this week, Hannah, <clears throat> my daughter, has been participating at VBS at a local parish where one of her best friends goes. And um, it's been the first time that we really were like, all right, we're going to drop you off somewhere and leave. And that was really hard for us. Like we didn't sleep well the night before. I was making a list on my phone of all the things I wanted to coach Hannah about. Like, okay, what if this happens? What do you do? Like, you know, and uh, the first day her friend wasn't going to be there. And so it was just like, we didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, it went great. You know, she's, stellar. I don't know why we even worry about her. She's like so independent and mature and smart. It's just insane. So she is awesome. But all of those things, like kind of the theme of CYMC, this kind of anxiety about flying and this anxiety about Hannah just really kind of all reminded me of this central theme that comes out in the readings this week that you'll hear on Sunday. And it's just this idea that we need to let go and have a spirit of detachment. If we really want to follow Jesus, if we really want to be faithful to what God is calling us to do, we need to let go. And I was thinking of um, Frozen, and you know the famous song from Frozen is "Let It Go." My daughter loves Frozen. But what's interesting is my my daughter loves learning Spanish, 
And part of the way we help teach her Spanish is we listen to some of her favorite songs in Spanish. And so we listen to like Moana and Encanto and the Frozen soundtrack, like all in Spanish, uh, a couple other things, but uh, other Disney songs. But those are the main, the main ones. And Let It Go, the song in Spanish, translates to Libre Soy, which doesn't mean let it go. It means I am free. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about those things that were causing me anxiety. You know, Hannah going to VBS, uh, you know, getting on an airplane versus driving, you know, thinking about this theme of always looking forward and not back, always like kind of trusting that there is some good ahead of us and not lingering on the things that we can't control or the things that have passed. And I was listening to a podcast this week and one line has just been really resonating with me and it said that the one source of all of our unhappiness is attachment. And we attach ourselves to things or we seek to have this kind of control looking for our fulfillment in earthly things or our, um, kind of putting our identity in something that we can grasp and control and, and um, we are in charge of, we can manage on our own. We end up ultimately unhappy when those things don't work out according to our plan. And that's why I have this flight anxiety. You know, I'm out of control. And I think about all the things I could lose if something goes wrong. And I read all the time all the stats on how flying is so much safer than driving and how like the, the immense, like infinitesimal unlikelihood of you being in a plane crash and let alone dying in a plane crash because it's even far more less likely that you'll die in a plane crash even if your, your plane does have some malfunction or crash. It's just vastly outweighed by just the risk of like driving or going about your everyday life. However, um, it's just something that comes up, you know, and it's because I desire to have this kind of control over my life to be the one, you know, behind the driver's seat, you know, like and feeling this. I mean, it's really this this sin of pride of feeling like, okay, well, if I'm in charge, I can make sure everything goes right. And that when that sinks in to your spiritual life, that can really get in the way of your relationship with God. I mean, pride is considered theologically, according to Thomas Aquinas, the, the root and chief of all sins. It's the capital sin of the seven deadly sins. And it's the sin of the Garden of Eden. The gar sin of the Garden of Eden wasn't just disobedience. You know, God says, this is the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. You shall not eat its fruit. You can eat of anything else in the garden. And the serpent says, did God really say that? Did he really say that if you eat this, you'll die? Because he says, no, if you eat this, you'll be like God. And what, what do they do? They distrust. They seek to take within their own control something that belongs to God. And I have to remind myself constantly, like my child's life, my family, my life, like they all belong to God. I cannot control what happens. Yes, I have some um, autonomy. I have some influence and some set of uh, semblance of control over certain things. And I need to exercise my free will in such a way that I am doing what is right and good in all of these different areas. But ultimately, I need to let go and be willing to surrender them to God and his providence because God is always working to bring about my greatest good. Always. Me, my family, everything. And eventually, the greatest possible good in my life will be to call me home or call members of my family home. That will be the best thing he can do for them at some point or do for me at some point in our earthly life. We will all die. And he will bring from that death a realization in other people's lives that they too are going to die. And that can bring about greater good in their life and reminiscing and making sure they don't waste their time on this earth, etc., etc. Like death is a very good teacher and death is not the end. It's just a doorway to something even better. And so I have to remind myself constantly like it's, it's a win-win scenario when we trust in God. Because when we let things go, 
if the worst case scenario happens and we die or something tragic happens, um, anyone who dies in a state of grace, they go to heaven. That's a win. We're reminded of our own mortality and the fact that we need to live saintly lives so we can go to heaven. That's a win, ultimately. Uh, yeah, it's going to be terrible. I'm not saying it's good and that we should celebrate it and not grieve. Like it, It's hard and difficult and causes deep sorrow and pain. But ultimately, we end up with the Lord. And if those things don't turn out like the way that we worry that they will and everything turns out okay, that's also a win. And so like putting our trust in God, it's like, it's like a no brainer, but we get in the way all of the time. And this inhibits our freedom. It makes us unhappy because we're attached to so many things. This is what scripture and the catechism say about this. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thinking about that translation, you know, of let it go, libre soy, I am free. Because I let things go, because I'm not attached, because I can fully lean into who God is calling me to be and rely on him, I am free. And I can only do that with the Spirit. I can't do that on my own. I can't do it by some autonomous, independent uh, force of my own will, my own nature, my own being. No, I need to rely on God for this. And once I am open I surrender and receive his spirit. I continue to lean deeper into that spirit of surrender and let go of the things in my life and entrust them to God. And then I can experience true freedom. You know, there's this weird, like ironic paradox where people think, you know, people have a criticism of religion or of God. You know, there's even verses like this in scripture where you have to be slaves to God. And they think like, well, why would I want to like be oppressed by all of these rules? You know, I want to be free to do whatever I want. And what they don't realize is that the quote-unquote rules that God gives us are more like guardrails on a road or boundaries or rules in a game like soccer so that you can play the game well. The rules are meant to set you free and protect you from being injured so that you can do the thing that you're meant to do safely and well to the best of your ability. Whereas if you go and just do the things that make you happy out in the world that you think will give you pleasure or bring you temporary happiness, you end up enslaved to those things, shackled to those things, relying on those things for your happiness and your pleasure. And the pleasure runs out as soon as the event or the experience is over and you're constantly feeding into it like this addictive cycle of instant gratification. And so the real enslavement happens when we turn away from God and we go to those things that we're attached to. Because only where the spirit of the Lord is, is where there is freedom. It says in Galatians chapter 5, For freedom Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom Christ set us free. Christ didn't set us free so that we would be oppressed again by just some different set of rules. No, he did it for freedom. So that we would be completely removed from all the things on earth that enslave us. Sin the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, the things that cause these cycles of repeated negative behavior, repeated negative self-esteem, repeated habitual, addictive, or destructive thoughts or actions. We can be completely free of those. You can be completely free of those. Like, just take a moment and think about that. Like, all of the things in your life that you wish were different, all of the things in your life that are sources of unhappiness or dissatisfaction, all of the ways in which you feel unsatisfied, unfulfilled, like you don't know what you're doing, like you have no idea what your purpose is, or like your plans are not working out the way you thought they would. Don't you want to be free of that? Don't you want to lean into the promise that God has for you? I mean, what a great reason to believe if it were only that. 
Like, even if we couldn't prove and didn't have this massive amount of evidence that we do for faith, wouldn't it still be just so appealing if that were the only thing, if that were the only promise, was that if you do this, you will be completely set free? I think that would still be a pretty compelling reason to at least give it a shot. So what is it that you need to let go of? What is it that you need to be free of? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says this, Be free, yet without using freedom as a pretext for evil, but as slaves of God. And I referenced this before. This doesn't mean that we are oppressed. You know, we think of slavery in terms of American slavery as very oppressive, awful, abusive evil where people's dignity was not, um, you know, honored, where they were treated like less than human. And the ancient form of slavery was more like indentured servitude. It was actually you were saving someone's life by allowing them to become your servant. And there were certain rights that you had to ensure them, that you had to be making sure that they were treated as part of the family, they were treated with dignity, they were provided for with food and lodging, that you weren't you know, abusing them, that you were you know, adhering to the Torah and the laws about how to treat them with dignity. And so this freedom that Christ gives us, it's not this kind of loosey-goosey freedom that like Jesus died for you so you can go do whatever you want. No, it's not an excuse to go do evil, to go commit sin. No, this freedom that God promises us, that God offers us, is the rules of the game of life so that we can play the game of life well. It's the rules of this race that we are running toward heaven so that we know how to keep pace, how to have that endurance, how to fight the different obstacles that might come along the way. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1731, it says this about freedom. It says, freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. Pay attention to that. Rooted in reason and will, things that we know, but also our power to choose, to do this or to not do that, so that we will deliberately perform actions of our own responsibility. By free will, it continues, one shapes one's own life. Okay, so we have a responsibility here. This isn't just something God is going to do to you, like lightning stroke you, uh, lightning strikes, and you're suddenly free and liberated. He's already, you know, essentially done that on the cross, but we have to accept it. We have to take ownership of it and make decisions about it. It continues, human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude, our blessing, our fullness, our completeness, our happiness, our beatitude. Our freedom finds its perfection when it's directed toward God. There are so many things in this world that people say will make you feel good or will set you free or will make your life easier, more comfortable or bring you lasting happiness. There's so many, like I'm thinking of every multi-level marketing scheme that I've ever been, you know, offered or, you know, someone's ever you know, like presented to me, like, okay, if you do this and you become part of our team and you just sell a certain amount of these, you'll be able to never work again. You'll make this much a year. You'll be able to take your kids to Disneyland once a week. I've seen the infomercials and the videos and stuff. And I know like that's the promise that's so appealing behind everything. If you get this degree, you'll get this much money. If you get that degree, you'll get even more money. If you get this promotion, you'll get this. And all of a sudden we're chasing after zeros and accolades and, and line items on our resume or maybe it's bucket list things. If I have these experiences, if I become very well-traveled and well-versed in languages and cultures, then I'll be seen in a certain way. And I'll gain enough insight to be viewed as someone who is happy. And maybe then I'll actually believe it. Or maybe I'll find the answer to what I'm looking for out there. 
But the people who are the wealthiest, most powerful, most experienced, most well-traveled in the world are not necessarily the happiest. And I would argue many of them are the least happy because they're chasing after these things. I mean, look at just all of the celebrity garbage and gossip that's out there, all of these terrible life decisions that are on display for the public eye to behold. How awful that must be to be in the midst of it. It's, it's a clear piece of evidence that that life, the accolades of celebrityhood or power, wealth, being the CEO of a Fortune 100 company or whatever it might be, do not buy or bring fulfillment or happiness. In fact, they give you a laundry list of more things that you are attached to. You don't want to lose. And that just repeats this cycle of clinging on and not being willing to let go. Brothers and sisters, having faith, real faith, is about surrender. Faith is not just a list of things that we believe so that God will do what we want or will bless us if we do the right thing. And faith is not something that we only turn to as a last resort in moments of despair. But real faith, the most deepest and profound level of faith that we are called to as disciples of Jesus Christ is one that lets go, that opens the hands and says, I surrender, Lord. Everything in my life, my job, my bank account, my family, my marriage, my children, my future, I lay it at your feet and I just, your will be done. If you want to change it up, if you want to take things away, if you want to give me new things, if you want to rearrange things, whatever, you know what you're doing far better than I do and I cannot do this on my own. That is the act of surrender. And it is so antithetical to our cultural and human experience, especially with things like social media, where everyone is putting out these catered, masked, filtered versions of their life that seem fully under control and fully doctored to present this perfect idea of a happy life that cause us all to have jealousy, to feel empty and lonely or unfulfilled when we look at these things because we think, well, my life doesn't look like that. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received from a book on marriage is do not judge the outside of someone's home by the inside of yours. Do not compare the outside of someone's home to the inside of yours. Okay, do not compare the outside of someone's life to the inside of yours. Do not compare the surface of someone's life or experiences to yours. Because we don't know their inner experience. We don't know all of the, the darkness, brokenness, sin, suffering, grief, feelings of unfulfillment, feelings of angst that lie behind or uh, those, those masks and those filtered pictures we see on Instagram. We are all broken. We are all sinners. None, none of us is perfect. And none of us is truly fulfilled or happy unless... We have made that complete surrender to God. And it is not just a one and done. We have to do this every single day. Because new things, new shiny toys or objects of attachment get presented to us as opportunities for us to feel like, oh, this will make my life easier, more comfortable, happier. And eventually we'll just keep chasing and chasing and chasing after it. I know a lot of people who've moved out of California saying things like, oh, I don't like the structure here. It's too expensive. And they go and then they find this really great house, you know, say in another state. And they live there for a while and they don't like it. You know, they want to upgrade or they move again, you know, and it's just like, you know, and people do move for valid reasons. I'm not saying everyone I know has moved out of California has done this, but I, I think like any, when we, we start chasing after these ideas of like, okay, now life will be easier, more affordable. 
you know, better because we'll get a better sense of control. We'll get more for our money, this or that. Like, I, it's just all these little ways I think that the devil can use to say the same thing he's been saying from the beginning. Did God really say, you know, is that, do you really think you're happy right now? Do you really think you can trust God right now? Do you really think God is going to provide for you right now when you're really struggling to make ends meet, pay your bills? Do you really think God is going to provide for you if you say yes to him, if you pursue that career, if you pursue ministry instead of this very lucrative thing, if you pursue the arts or your passions or whatever you're really gifted at, instead of this very stable job, you know, in the private sector or in business or in computer or whatever it is. And those might be your passions. You know, I'm not criticizing any of this, but we all have that internal voice, right? We've all had those moments like, am I doing the right thing here? You know, or, or, pursuing things just because we're told to, just because we want stability, just because we want financial, you know, prowess or stability for ourselves. You know, my generation, the the millennial generation, they say culturally, what we are looking for is emotional stability. And so you've had all of this research now in like therapy and mental health coming out. Uh, But you start to see the next generation, Generation Z, creeping in. And what they really want is financial stability because they saw our generation of millennials, some of whom are their parents, being raised in this kind of fluffy helicopter parenting society where it's more about like pursuing what you want and the emotional stability of that, but then being wrecked by the economy and not having, you know, the right kind of jobs or stability to have like financial comfort. And so that's what they really value, Generation Z. And so you saw all this stuff with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and investing. And there's so much of this out there now on TikTok and on social media and online of just how to make like your quick million before you turn 30 or whatever it is. And each generation is going to have its own thing. You know, the thing that it values or pursues more above anything else. And all of those things are not going to be it. They're not going to lead to our ultimate happiness if... We are not anchored in the Lord if we don't really trust in him, if we don't really have faith in him. And it's scary. It's scary. I said this at Bible study this week. How do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. It takes risk. There's never going to be a guarantee that it's going to 100% work out and they're going to be 100% guaranteed or have control or complete idea of how it's going to all happen. But when we can trust in the Lord and surrender, there is this sense of purpose and peace. It doesn't mean it won't be difficult. It doesn't mean there won't be some anxiety. But you'll start to see things line up perfectly to where it's like, well, this just makes sense to do. It just seems like God is moving in this direction. When my wife and I um, got married, we were discerning moving. And it became very clear that God was calling me to stick around one more year of ministry. Um, I'd, I'd opened my position. We'd got some some um, applicants, but just nothing seemed right. And we went to this Behind the Music concert with Matt Marr. And he said something. I can't remember what he said, but it was just very clear that it was like, you know, am I pursuing what I want or am I pursuing what God wants? And it was very clear to me in that moment that God wanted me to stay. And that extra year allowed me to see through the sixth graders I started with in EDGE in middle school ministry when I became a minister. It allowed me to see them through their senior year and watch them graduate. And there was just this beautiful bookend to my ministry up there. And God provided someone from that community who came home to take over ministry. And it was such a seamless transition. It was like he lined it up perfectly. And then we moved off the mountain 
we didn't know where we wanted to go. And my wife got into a master's program that we had to find some way of paying for. And so it was clear we had to move somewhere around there. And there was a bunch of ministry jobs open in Orange County. And I was like, well, based on my experience and my education, I'm hoping it seems very likely that I'll get one of these. But I didn't have a job. And Erica didn't have a job. And we were apartment hunting in Orange County and we were going from place to place to place and everything just didn't feel right or safe or comfortable. And we finally found one that was like, this is it. But it was the most expensive one. But we just had the sense that like, this is where God wants us. And so we signed the lease on this apartment contract like two days um, before I got a job. With, we had no prospects, no job, no source of income. We were able to use like our, our recent pay stubs from our jobs up in the mountain to kind of justify that, yeah, we should be able to pay for this. But uh, it wasn't until a couple days later that I got the job at the parish I'm at now. I'm in a new position now, but, you know, it just it took stepping out in faith and just trusting that like God would provide. And when we did the budget, when, we, when I found out what I would be making, my wife got a tutoring job at a local city college right after that. When we put that together, I mean, I tell you, it was like to the penny everything worked out for us to pay all of our bills, afford groceries. We were definitely on a budget, a lot of bean and cheese burritos and macaroni and cheese for a little while, but to be able to like work it out and set aside a little money every month or for something extra, unexpected things. But like every month, it seemed like to the penny, like God provided, even though different things came up, different expenses, needing a new car at one point, this or that, like things all worked out because we were just completely surrendering it to God and just like, and I would look at the numbers on the spreadsheet and I'm like, I feel like if I put these in a calculator, it wouldn't match. And I like never dared to do it because I felt like there was some Jesus math happening in the spreadsheet and it was just working out because I didn't want to like test it and be like, wait, this really doesn't add up. And then, you know, for it to all fall apart. I just wanted to rest in that reliance on God and knowing like, okay, however this is working, God, I trust in you. And from there, He just continued to pour out abundance. He continued to present opportunities to us. When Erica finished her master's, I had an opportunity to pursue my master's basically for free. And to have stability in my job to where, you know, I signed a contract to commit here at the parish for a certain number of years if they helped pay for the cost that would have been associated with me um, for that master's degree. And, And that has provided such opportunity, such stability. It was such a beautiful like program and wonderful community. So it's just, and and now I'm in adult ministry because of that education and that background and all that I've been able to learn. And it's just, I never would have imagined this for myself. You know, I wanted to be a film composer in TV production in LA. I was going to get my master's in music composition and production at Cal State Long Beach. I'd gotten in, you know, I'd already interviewed and I was ready to go there in the fall. And then it was like, no, like, we need to stay and do ministry, you know? And when I first, last story, when I first got into ministry, right before, um, my best friend at the time and I, Christian, uh, we both uh, were seeing an army recruiter to join the special forces together. And we did we did the, um, the exam. You know, we both tested into the 98th, 99th percentile, which you need for the special forces. We're going to do the partner system. Uh, we were visiting the recruiter a few times. I filled out the entire application, medical history. And we got there at the recruiter, and Christian signed on the dotted line, and I just couldn't do it. There's something calling me, like, in my mind saying, like, no, you don't. This is not where I'm calling you. And if I had made that commitment, I never would have had my conversion experience. I never would have entered ministry. I never would have had the profound healing that God brought into my life. I never would have had the opportunities that I've had to see God work abundantly, you know, and to have the faith that I have, the family that I have. 
and my life would be vastly different. Now, do I think that God couldn't have brought good out of that? No, because I think he definitely could have, because God uses our choices to bring about our greatest possible good. But I think if we are attuned to him trying to push us in a certain direction or another, we receive that abundant blessing sooner. Whereas if we're making the wrong decisions or going down the wrong path, doing what we want, then God has to write straight with far more crooked lines. And it takes a little while for that to come around or for us to realize, you know, I think God can bring good out of anything. But it still ultimately requires our surrender and our recognition of being able to accept, yeah, this, this is where I belong. This is where God wants me now. But too many people spend most of their life just chasing after the bucket list or the paycheck or the lifestyle or the experience. And they never stop and think like, is this really making me happy? They're just looking to the next thing. And so brothers and sisters, I know we all do this. I know I do it. I know you do it. And I just, I, I encourage you to reflect on, especially as you hear the, re- the readings proclaimed this weekend at Mass, um, from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62 in the Gospel and the other readings, just to think about like, how are you holding yourself back from the blessings God has for you? What things do you need to let go of? Because our commitment to Jesus needs to be unconditional. What are your fists clenching onto that gives them no room to open up and receive anything else? That's my prayer for you and I this week, brothers and sisters. I I ask that you pray for me as I continue to pray for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your constant support. And that's all I have for you. So until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.